you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 3 this morning. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 uh, next week. I think we're going to go right through the first six chapters of the book of Acts um, in the upcoming weeks. So if you want to read ahead or be part of that, uh, that gives you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, this morning as you get to uh, Acts chapter 6 or Acts chapter 3, you're going to have an opportunity to check this out. So what's interesting to me is... All of us are involved in different situations where you might go buy something or you hear something and it's information that you want to pass on to somebody else. And so you, you start uh, looking for the opportunities or the Lord gives you an opportunity uh, to communicate to somebody. Maybe it'll be something like this. Maybe you find a vehicle like this one day and you say, man, I need to go tell my neighbors about that. Uh, that might be our next uh, thing for family camping. We can find something like that. But I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist in the United States of America, but I'm sure it does exist um, overseas. So this morning, as you enter into Acts chapter 3, you're going to get a chance to see something that's going to take place when Peter and John arrive in the temple that's going to be talked about and people's lives are going to be changed because of what takes place in the temple. And so as you enter into Acts chapter 3, you're going to get a chance to see these two individuals, the disciples, Peter and John, on their way to the temple. And I'm not sure how many people arrived at the temple on this day. This is going to be the afternoon time that Peter and John arrive at the temple. Was it 1,000, 5,000? I don't know. But there's going to be something interesting about Peter and John. They're going to do something that nobody else maybe thought about or thought about but didn't have enough courage or thought about and said, you know what, I really don't know if God could do this. And they walk right on by this individual. But not Peter and John. And so, I don't know this if, if you can... Picture this in your mind, but there's something that's going on in the inside of Peter and John in their relationship with Christ that affects an individual sitting at the temple. And then, because of that, there's going to be a crowd that's going to form, and Peter's going to preach another message. And I don't know how many people that hear this other message that Peter is going to preach. How many people are actually saved at the end of this message? We know this first one, 3,000 people were added. There was radical life change. They devoted themselves to specific things. That's Acts chapter 2. So this morning, if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 3 starts out like this. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful. You'll read on farther if you go on in in Acts chapter 4, you'll come to realize that the individual that's there that is lame is 40 years old. So from birth, the 40-year-old individual has been lame. All right, Specifically where they're going to be laid at the gate called Beautiful. To ask for alms. Of those entering the temple, seeing Peter and John... About to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. I want you to stop right there. At the beginning of Acts chapter 3, 
Peter and John, they arrive at the temple. It's specifically the lame individuals laid at the gate called beautiful. And so as you think about this, there's, a, there's an era about the time when Peter and John are going to the temple where individuals that were going to the temple were really going to the temple. Not The majority were not going to worship. They were going to be seen. And in the process, the lame individuals would say, if we could just get to the temple, and we know that those individuals are all about a show, so maybe those individuals would just give us a little bit of money. Because as you read through and you look through this, beggars came to the temple to get the money to survive. A lot of people would come to the temple to impress God. So beggars would sit there hoping that they would help them. Really, the temple was a place about the individual being seen. Not about the individual's heart. So I find something interesting. As Peter and John head to the temple, they actually see the individual. They actually take note that there's somebody there that is lame. And the individual will speak to Peter and John. And I find it interesting, and you'll get a chance to see this, I find it interesting Peter and John's response to the individual. So before we go on real fast, as you you look through this passage of Scripture, who has been around you this week that you did not see but had a need? Who was the individuals that were around you that because you hadn't really said to the Lord, Lord, I want to give you my day. I want to give you my eyes. I want to give you my wants. How many of these people did you walk past this week because your relationship with Christ was not at the forefront? Or maybe there was something going on in your heart you're saying, you know what, I, I I really don't really want to talk about this. Or a word that you're going to see at the end of this is maybe there really isn't enough amazement in your own personal relationship with Christ that you want to share with to, or about to anybody else. I promise you, the majority of us that have bought, if we would buy a new car, we would talk about it. Now I assume you ladies, if you buy a different outfit, you might send the message to your closer friends. I'm I'm 46 years old. No guy's ever said, hey, check out the shirt I bought. You know, sent me a picture of it. Right? I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Um, I do, uh, yeah. I do uh, learn over the years that now that my son is bigger than me, I can go into his closet and get his shirt and wear it, and then I am informed as soon as he sees me that that is his shirt and I should not be wearing it. But what's something that's been amazing to you this week and that you've talked about it other than Jesus? What's been something that's captivated your heart? You said, oh, I need to communicate with somebody. What has Jesus captivated your heart with this week that you couldn't help yourself but hey, I need to text so-and-so? Or those of you that like social media, you posted it on Facebook. Or you posted it on 
Instagram or whatever else y'all do, Twitter and all that other stuff. I mean, think about it. Think about how easy it is for our heart to be captivated by things of this world and not about what Jesus is doing in your own soul through the Scriptures. Whereas we're reading through something just right off the page. Reading through this passage of Scripture, it's amazing to me that Peter and John stopped. They could have just walked right on into the temple. Hey, we're here to worship. By the way, we're Peter and John. If you don't know, we've seen the risen Christ. We're pretty special right now. We've got salvation by faith. All y'all are worshiping law and traditions. That's who we are, Peter and John. Peter and John saw the lame person. And this is what takes place. Read on. Verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said to him, I have no silver and gold. You ever wonder how many times that person that was lame heard those words? By the individuals that probably should have been the one that would be willing to donate because they are going to worship. They're already going to a place of worship, so you would think, obviously you would think, that their heart would be willing to give to others. Heaven would forbid that they're walking into this building as an opportunity of worship saying, Hey God, I got something for you today. And in that mindset, how many thousands of people walked past that lame man and never even said, Here, here's what I have. Or how many people have seen that lame man for 30 years and never gave a dime? See, there's a temptation to walk into a building and say, Okay, God, I'm in charge today. Where it should be totally opposite. It should be, oh Lord, I'm here today to worship you. Would you speak to me today through your word? I want to hear your voice. I want to leave here with something to change me from the inside out. So how did you walk in this morning? How many argued on the way here? How many were aggravated because they had to park in a certain spot? I'm really tired of this one service thing. You know, they, they need to get themselves back together because I really like my seat. And two weeks in a row, somebody's sitting in my seat. <laughs> See, we have a temptation to walk in and say, okay, what is the church going to give me this morning? And really the temptation, really what it should be is, Jesus, this is what I have for you today. Here's my life. Peter and John, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know what I find really interesting here? Is this passage of scripture. 
John chapter 18, 15 to 27. You know what that passage of Scripture is about? That's John's account of Peter denying Christ three times. So you have an individual now whose name is Peter. He's walking into the, to the place of worship. And he's the individual that has to, do, to be reminded in his soul every morning, I'm the disciple, that three times I had the opportunity to stand for truth. Three times I denied it. And if you go through that passage of Scripture, you can see it's almost like God wanted to say to Peter, Peter, I need to do something in your life to really draw your heart close to me. And you know what, Peter, I'm going to do? I'm going to humble you. Peter, I know you're quick to speak. And Peter, God, I'm going to use you to help establish a local church. And I'm going to use you to move the gospel forward. But before I'm going to do those things, Peter... You need to know that the power is not going to come from you, Peter. And you need to know, Peter, that I can use a broken vessel that has denied me three times. It's also it's interesting as you think about Peter and John, specifically Peter still, if you are looking in your Bible, go to John chapter 21. One of the things I love about Jesus, he didn't leave Peter stuck there in his failure. John chapter 21, you start in verse 15, it says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. This is said to show that what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after that, saying, he said to him, follow me. I just have a kind of a hunch in my heart. That as Peter and John were walking into that temple, after they had watched their Messiah die, after they had spent 40 days with him with the resurrected Christ, they were walking into that temple. And um, this is not, uh, I won't take a bullet for this. this. This is something I'm thinking about. I think that those men walked into that temple knowing that they were chosen by the King of Kings and the Lord. I think they had walked into that temple knowing that God had put up with them and all their failures. I know that they walked into that temple, as I thought as I think about them walking into the temple, that they had been taught by Jesus, they had been restored by Jesus, that Jesus had showed himself for them, that Jesus had died for them, that they had stood there and they watched Jesus ascend and they had realized that they had been given power, so they walked into that temple as new men. 
and new eyes. And there was some something of amazement, something of awe was going inside of Peter. He didn't see the woundedness of the person. He didn't see the lame individual there. He reached down and said, you know what, I don't have what you want, but I have something way bigger than what you want. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. An individual that's never walked, walk. There was no walkers, there was no training, there was no stumbling, there was leaping, shouting for joy, as the lame beggar for 40 years had never walked, is now walking. That's the power of our God. And so this morning as you see that, you get a chance to see what God used to cause some awe to take place where individuals stopped and said, wait a second, what's going on here? This guy has never walked before, and now he's walking. What's happening here? So look on, read on in in the Scriptures. I mean, you're not going to... You see Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. The individuals that had sat there now are, see this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, now their hearts are led to amazement. Interesting now, watch what's going to happen. Peter is going to see a crowd start to gather. And Peter's going to take an opportunity to preach another message. And because of all that has taken place of this one individual that had been lame for 40 years, you're going to get a chance to see next week in Acts chapter 4 kind of what's going to take place after this. But a crowd gathers. I want you to think about something, okay? Okay. For some reason, God had a plan for this individual to be born lame for this moment right here, right now in Acts chapter 3. Right here, right now in Acts chapter 3, if this man would have not been born lame, there wouldn't be a crowd. There would not be amazement. And so God's going to use something that is totally crazy And you have to almost scratch your head and think, God, you allowed this to happen in the sovereignty of God. God, why did you allow this to happen? Because there was a dad in that temple that I wanted to amaze. And so I was going to take a 40-year-old person that had been lame from birth, and I was going to raise him up again, and I was going to get that dad's attention. Or I was going to get that mom's attention. I was going to get grandpa's attention. I was going to get some kid that was just running around the temple that might have been 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. I don't know. But some young people are now going to have an opportunity to see, what's, why is it, what happened to that guy? You know what happened to that guy? Jesus of Nazareth happened to that guy. And as you look at this amazement and the crowd forms, I want you to see Peter's response. And while he clung to Peter in verse 11, and John and all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the in a portico, calling of Solomon. 
And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now, I don't think this would probably be the appropriate message for your neighbor. But it's interesting, just like it was last week, it's interesting Peter's words. There's nothing in Peter's words that's going to have anything to do with prosperity. There's going to be nothing in Peter's words about Jesus making them happy. There's going to be nothing in in Peter's words to say this is all about you as an individual. Go to church, enjoy life, say that you love Jesus. No. It's going to have everything to do with the internal part of who you are as an individual. So Peter's words, he says this. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety would have made him walk? Here we go. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. So all you good Jewish people, here it is. Old Testament, here it is, right here, right now. It's almost like Peter's going to just punch him right in the nose. All of you guys, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of all the forefathers, I want you to know something. You say you worship this God. But Peter says, Whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for what? A murder to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. This is what we are as a witness. To this we witness. So the words of Peter, God of Abraham, you're the individuals. You're the ones that had him crucified. You're the ones that should have identified. You should have been the ones that said, yes, he's our Messiah. He's the Savior. We have forgiveness through his blood. He's the one. They asked for him to be murdered. And they crucified him. But three days later, God rose him up. And Peter and John are there as a testimony the risen Christ. Miracles lead to amazement. And Peter took the opportunity for a miracle to lead to amazement to preach a message of repentance. To say to them, you need to go in a different direction. You were walking in this by faith, Jewish tradition, Jewish law, here at the synagogue, here at the temple, saying you're here to worship. And now you need to go in a different direction. I want you to look at the end of this. Look at verse 19. Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ-appointed For you, Jesus. Has there been a time of refreshing in your life? Has there been a time where you said, you know what, I'm not right here. 
And so I just want to break it but maybe down, or I want to end it from this perspective. Peter and John arrived at the temple. They were on a specific meeting to go worship. But they saw the individual who was hurting. You know what they didn't do? They didn't have any money, so they didn't give him money. They gave him what they had. Who was it? A relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have Jesus this morning? And as you go through this passage of Scripture, what's interesting is, is if you go a little bit farther, miracles take place at the temple. When was the last time God did a miracle in your life? When was the last time that you prayed and it was just like, boom, here it is. The Lord gave you wisdom. Here's another thought process, okay? And I I know you've heard me say this before. But what area of your life is he changing? Because I know what will happen. We'll get the microphone out. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. My question is, if you love him, where is he changing you? You know what I think we're entering into? A time in church age in Highlands County that we've lost our amazement. That there's not a lot of talk because we don't see him do some of these amazing things, so we're not really talking about him a lot. I don't know, but I had the privilege to sit in a lobby with some students on on Wednesday night. Students that have been working for two years to go to, to go to Korea. You know what I was blown away by? That individuals will be willing to give money to help a student get to Korea. And what's so exciting is they have no idea what's going to happen in their lives. Oh, they're going to have fun. And you see, if you look through Facebook pictures, you'll see a picture of Lena with this big old smile on her face. And she's eating bingsu for the first time which you have no idea what that is, so just keep eating your ice cream. It's equivalent to that. And so they're going to do the fun things, and that's all part of it. But you know what's always going on inside? God's working. And so they've got a lot of different advice leading up to the trip. And so as we're sitting in the lobby, I said to him, you know what you really need to do? My prayer for you is... On this trip, you would say, Jesus, help me. Help me to have your eyes for what's going on around I know that probably all of us sitting in this room would say, yeah, Jesus has saved me. But what I'm concerned about is, I'm not sure how often we say this, Jesus, help me. And I don't know what circumstance. God used this lame man for 40 years. God said, hey, you're going to be lame for 40 years. And I'm going to raise you up again. And I'm going to allow you to walk. And I'm going to heal all of your bones so you can walk. Because I want to do something amazing. Because I want to radically change people's lives in that temple. I believe some of you need to stop this morning and just say, Jesus, I need some help today.
to humble yourself enough to say, help me, Jesus. And I believe there's others, other people in this room that have some amazing things, but you might be scared to share what's going on amazing in your life because you bump into a just normal, average Christian. And they don't get excited about the things that you get excited about. And their hearts haven't been filled with amazement because they haven't opened up their Bible in a while. So we pause and say, sorry. We need to apologize to you. If there's something God's doing that's amazing and you come to us and we're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, whatever. We need to be excited about it with you. Because I know God's doing some other amazing things. There's a whole nother team that's forming for Mexico. There's students walking around wearing these new shirts that people ask them, are you part of this fraternity? And they say, no. We're part of a group that says it is finished. And they have it in, is it Hebrew? Greek. And what's your, what's your Greek word? I'll say it wrong. So tell us your Greek word. Yeah, so that's what their Greek word is on their shirt. So if you see some weird word on a shirt, maybe you say that, like, kind of like that back to them. Or if you see a really weird word on a shirt and it's one of our kids are wearing it, just say, it is finished. And they'll know what you're talking about. Indiv- individuals walking around saying to them, it is finished. When he said, it is finished, guess what? You had hope. That very moment. You had life for the first time. You had power for the first time. You had opportunity for amazement for the first time. So it's your choice this morning. Will you let him do work in you? Will you slow your world down, your wants, your desires, and listen to the one who gave his life for you? And say, okay, Jesus, I want to see what you see. I want to ask you for things And just so you know, I'm not asking Jesus for a million dollars. We had a privilege. Her name is Shayla. A young lady that's lived in a very difficult situation. And now she's moved to Michigan. And I thought about, you know what, if we had a million dollars, which we don't. But every teenager would love to try a million dollars. I'm sure some of you would like to try it too. But we have something better than that. We have the Word of God. And we can say to her, Jayla, here's truth in a wicked, perverse generation. Here's the best gift I can give you. The scriptures. And a Savior that will never leave you, never forsake you. You will never be alone. Someone that was willing to demonstrate his love for you. Now, Shayla, fall in love with that individual. Ask that individual for help. And then step back and watch the amazing things that he'll do in you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege you've given me to open the scriptures this morning. And so now, Father, I ask that you would use the Holy Spirit to enlighten people's hearts and minds this morning. And so, I don't know what needs to take place in individuals, but you do. And so I pray, Father, through your Spirit, you would knock deep in our hearts and soul, that you would shake up our world so that we would pause and say, Jesus, help me today. So that we would 
awaken the amazement of our heart and soul. So we awaken it so loudly that we can't stop talking to people about what you're doing. And may it not just be Korea and Mexico and Shalem. May it be us. What you're doing inside of me. What you're doing inside of Susan. What you're doing inside of our friends. That they saw you work in a neat way. Or you answered their prayer. Or you encouraged them. Or you convicted them. And they said yes. And they followed the truth of Scripture. So Holy Spirit, it's your time now to get our attention. And it's your time as you're sitting in this seat. It's your opportunity now to say, nope, I'm not interested. To say yes to that still small voice. Maybe it's time for you to repent. Maybe it's time for you to ask for help. Maybe it's time for you to humble yourself. Father, whatever you need to do in our hearts, would you do it so that you would get the honor and glory and so that Jesus will be a priority of who we are, not just on a Sunday morning, but as we live in Highlands County. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.